that. That was beautiful. All right, the book of John, chapter 14 today, is on our heart. The book of John, chapter 14. I'll ask you if you'll stand with us this morning as we look in John chapter number 14. Verse number one. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, there ye may be also. And whither I go, you know, and the way, you know. God being our helper this morning, I'm going to preach on this thought. The cure for a troubled heart. The cure for a troubled heart. Father, this morning, their needs round about us. And Father, you're aware. I'm not, but you are. And Father, I pray today that you would touch hearts today that are troubled. You would lift them. You would encourage them. You would help them. Lord, you'd take our tears today and dry them or place them in thy bottle. And I pray, God, they'd be used for a testimony and a witness of the power and of the glory of God. Father, I thank you for the number of souls that you've saved this last week and even hear about one getting saved on Friday. Hallelujah. God, I pray you would continue doing a great work in our lives and we praise you and give you honor for it's in Jesus' name we pray and ask and all God's people say amen. amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. Now I want you to take your Bible. I want you to flip back just a couple chapters in John chapter number 11 and I want you to look with me in verse number 33. We know in this text that Lazarus has died and Martha and Mary have sent for Jesus and Jesus has gotten there but he was three days late. And the Bible tells us, and now we're looking at a fourth day, the Bible says in verse 33, when Jesus therefore saw her weeping and the Jews also weeping which came with her, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. Jesus was troubled. He knew what he was going to do for Lazarus. He was going to raise him back to life and he did. And aren't you glad that when Jesus, we think he's late, he's right on time. And then in John chapter 12, and verse number 27, Jesus is telling his disciples that he's about to lay down his life and be crucified and be raised back up again. He's going to be made my sin and your sin. Look at verse 27, John 12, 27. Jesus said, now is my soul troubled. And what shall I say, Father? Save me from this hour. But for this cause came I unto this hour. Two times, Jesus, the Son of God, the perfect Lamb, was troubled. Then I look in John chapter 13, and it is that chapter in which that Jesus will reach 
the dish over to Judas and Judas will sop out of that dish and he's identifying Judas as being the betrayer of the Lord Jesus and everything is set in morning in motion for the next day Jesus will be crucified in John 13 verse 21 when Jesus had thus said he was troubled in spirit and testified and said verily verily I say unto you that one of you shall betray me and that night Judas was exposed and that night Judas was expelled from the very room. And we come to John chapter 14. And the Bible says in verse 1, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. I've read to you in the text, in the word of God, three places where Jesus was troubled. May I say that he was troubled so we wouldn't have to be. He was troubled in every area, in every aspect that we would ever be troubled and he took our trouble upon himself that we wouldn't have to suffer through trouble. Yet for some reason, we pick it up, don't we? Yet for some reason, we identify with that word trouble. We know that Jesus now, he's that night told Simon Peter, he said, Simon Peter, I want you to know that you're going to deny me Three times. Simon Peter said that will never ever happen. Guess what? It did before the cock began to crow. The next morning Jesus would be arrested. Jesus has told him he will be crucified. He looks at his disciples' faces. These are men that he was with every day. He fellowshiped with them. He ate bread with them. He preached to them. He loved them with all his heart. And when he told him he would die, when he told him he would be crucified, when he told him what Judas was going to do, and Judas did it, when he told him what Simon Peter would do, and soon he would, the Bible says, I believe that Jesus, looking on their countenance, looking in their heart, seeing their faces, he saw trouble brewing. And today he sees your countenance. I'm talking to somebody here. There's trouble. Will you hear me? There's trouble. Brewing within your heart. Brewing within your family. Brewing within your life. It's on your countenance. It's on your face. That smile that we've grown so accustomed to. Today it's turned into trouble. These disciples are flabbergasted. They're shocked. Their expressions. Everything is revealing. There is trouble. And Jesus, knowing all things, looked at them and said, Let not your heart be Troubled. Well, I ask you a question. Do you have heart trouble today? I'm not talking about the kind of heart trouble that you have to take medicine for, pills and all these things to get help with. I'm asking you, do you have a troubled heart because of burdens, because of problems, because of heartaches? I'm telling you this morning, God knows about the trouble of your heart. Maybe you're burdened. You have a loved one on their way to hell. You've witnessed to them. You've prayed for them. You're so concerned about their future, what's going to happen. Maybe you have a troubled heart because you've heard news from the doctor. Maybe you have a troubled heart because there's a problem in your home. Maybe you have a troubled heart because there's difficulty in your family in your home, in your school, 
in your workplace, in your career path, there is trouble. Preacher Darren, what am I supposed to do? I believe Jesus gives us three things that we need to do when our heart is troubled. What can we do? Number one, you, you need to keep believing him. Keep believing him. He said, look with me. He said, you believe in God, believe also in me. If you believe in God, when your heart gets troubled, believe also in me. You need to keep believing God. Have you believed him for your past? I'm talking about those sins. I begin to think the other night, God, just how much sin have I brought to you in my lifetime? I brought him all of it. All of it that I'm aware of. And just imagine all the lying, all the gossip, all the slander, all the lust, all the jealousy, all the hatred, all the anger, and many things even worse than that. We've brought to him all of our sin and we gave it to him for forgiveness. And what did he do? But he took our sin, washed it, covered it in his blood, cast it behind his back. And when he looks, he says, what sin are you talking about? Through those sins in the depths of the sea, we'll never be able to get them out. Cast them as far as the east is from the west. So far has he removed our transgressions from us. Jesus' blood has washed away all, A-L-L, all our sins. And he clothed you in his righteousness. And today he has saved you. You've believed him with your past. I want to say, do you believe him for your promised future? As Christians, we look forward to going to heaven. Now, I don't know why this is anymore, but the last two or three years, when I've gone here, there, and yonder, and even here at Bethel, we don't sing about heaven as much as we used to. And we don't talk about heaven as much as we used to. And I don't know why that is, but I, su I suppose that maybe we're becoming so attached to what we have here, we don't want to leave. One time in the service, we asked people, how many of y'all, you want to go to heaven? When the service was over, saw a young man, said, son, don't you want to go to heaven? He said, well, I do, but I thought you was getting a load to go today. We want to go to heaven, but just not right now. Preacher Darren, I still got to get married. Preacher Darren, I still got to have a baby. Preacher Darren, I've got a lot of things I got to do for you. I go to heaven. Honey, heaven is the goal. Heaven is what it's all about. I can trust him with my heaven. I am going to heaven. Well, Preacher Darren, I think I'm going to heaven. No, I don't think I know. I know that I'm going to heaven. Oh, preacher Darren, maybe I'm going to heaven. No, I know. It's not a think so. It's not a maybe so. Thank God this morning. It's not a hope so. It's a no so. Based on the truths of the word of God. Amen, Amen this morning. Oh, preacher Darren, why are you going? I'm not going because I'm a preacher. I'm not going because I love to teach his word. I'm not going because of anything I've ever done. I, uh, I'm going because of what he did on the cross. I'm going because of what he did in the tomb. 
I'm going because the tomb is empty and Jesus is alive. I've repented of my sins. I've called on his name and he's forgiven my sins and he saved my soul. And if you're here today and you say, Preacher Darren, I think I'm going. I hope I'm going. Maybe I'm going. You need to see me in the altar or after church today. And honey, I'll show you how he'll cure your heart trouble and you can know you're going to heaven. I have believed him with my past and I have believed him with my promised future. So if I can trust him with my past and I can trust him with my future, can I trust him with my present? Absolutely. I can trust him with whatever obstacle I'm going through right now. May I go on record? I need an amen right here. There's no problem too big for him. There are problems too big for me. I mean, I don't understand a lot of things. I mean, I know I went to, to high school and I went to college and I went to seminary and I've got doctor's degrees and one of them is a PhD, which spells food. And that's all I know, food. I, I cannot explain to Luke why it is that you drive on the parkway, but you park on the driveway. I don't get it. My mind is blown because that you, 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 uh, your feet smell and your nose runs. I don't understand that. I went to a store the other day, son, and they had a sign on the store that said, no dogs allowed unless it's a seeing eye dog. Well, who's going to read the sign? <laughs> These are things I don't understand. They're things too hard for me. They're things I just don't get. I mean, can a fat person go skinny dipping? <laughs> it just does not register and it does not make sense. But hear me this morning. There's no problem too big for God to solve. He, listen, there's no place too hard for him to revive. No situation he cannot fix and make it better than it ever was to start with. There's no person too hard for him to say, he saved me, he saved Charlie Phillips. Amen, Charlie Phillips. Thank God for it. He's waving at me, amen. There's nobody too hard to save. He can save anybody, amen. Thank God for it. You know what? I was here. Somebody came to me and said, Preacher Darren, I came in so low. I was so defeated. I was so despondent. I came in. I heard the choir sing. I, I felt a little spark there. I, I, I came in. I, I listened to the preaching of the Word of God. I saw truth that day, and God rekindled my spirit. Well, I had a preacher who tuned in online and said I was going to resign my church. I left. I'd preach Sunday morning. I'd preach Sunday night. I, I came home. I told my wife. I said, I'm resigning this church. We're out of here. I am done. And he said, I watched the service at Bethel. The choir sang. You preached that night. And I'm telling you, I got fired back up. I went back to my wife. And I said, change of plans. Amen. Jesus can still change things in hearts and the lives of people. There's nothing too hard for him. Oh, preacher Darren, name me a problem in the Bible. Give me one. All right, what about a man by the name of Jairus? He's a ruler of the synagogues. And the synagogue rulers all came together and said, 
We need to block Jesus from teaching in our synagogue. He's upsetting the people. People are diverting away from our religion. They're being what they call saved. We don't really like that. Let's stop him from speaking in our synagogues. And they all banded together to stop him. And one day Jairus had a problem. His little girl, 12 years old, about a 7th grader, got sick. And she got to the point of death. And Jairus was down praying, God, would you touch her? He said, go get a hold of my boy. My son Jesus is passing your way. Go talk to my son about it. And Jairus had to get up, leave where he was. He went out, listen, he forgot about his political correctness. He forgot about being woke and like everybody else. He said, I'm leaving the rulers of the synagogue behind and I'm going after Jesus. It may, it may be as popular as, as a polecat in a perfume factory, but he left all that junk behind and he pursued Jesus. And he came and he said, Jesus, my little girl lies at the point of death. She is a dying. Will you go home with me? And Jesus said, I will. And as they started back towards the house, the Bible says a runner came and said, Jairus, trouble not the master any further. Your daughter's dead. May I say today, your problem's not that bad. Yours are still alive. And preacher, death would be worse. Death, death couldn't be as bad as what I'm going through. Honey, death is finito, finished, it's done. Jairus gets the word. He's defeated. Can you see him as he falls down and says, Oh God, what am I going to do now? In her worst hour, I wasn't even with her when she died. And Jesus has got him by the hand. And he lifts him up and he said, Fear not. Believe. Just keep on believing. Believe only. She's not dead, but sleeping. What? Could they have got it wrong? And so now, Jesus is leading Jairus to Jairus' house. And he follows him. And when he gets there, there's mourners everywhere. Professional mourners are weeping and crying. Oh, they're so upset. Went to a funeral one time, had a funeral. This little lady had died in the church. Her, her children had not come to see her for years. I mean, like five and six years hadn't seen her. But when the funeral came that day, bless God, they was all there. And y'all have seen them. Oh, mama, you're the greatest thing in my life. Oh, mama, what am I going to do without you? Oh, mama, I miss you so bad. One of them, she wasn't going to be undone by her two sisters that was weeping and crying and hadn't seen her mama in all those years and just put her, put her hands around the corpse in there and said, oh, mama, I just want to go with you. The funeral director said, what are we going to do? said, let her go. When you close the box, she'll come out of there, amen. And he came by, he said, excuse me, and he started closing, amen. And them girls got out of there. I'm going to tell you something this morning. Professional mourners, not to be outdone. And Jesus got there and said, y'all get out of the way. This little girl's not dead, but she's sleeping. And they said, oh, no, you're crazy. We're professional mourners. We know dead when we see dead. We know gone when we see gone. We know this situation is over. Maybe you've got some professional mourners in your life that have indicated to you, and maybe you are one, saying this is over. This is done. It's too late. This will never change. Jesus, the Bible said, drove them all out. He got them all outside the house. Well, I'd like to see him try. Let me tell you something. Jesus is a man. He is not some nimby, pamby, panty waist. He went into the house of God one time with a scourge and drove them all out of there, honey. He drove those unbelievers, those professional mourners out. 
left behind Jairus, Jairus' wife. He left behind Peter, James, and John. Jesus was there. He took the girl by the hand and said, Maid, damsel, I say unto thee. And he grabbed her by the hand and rise. And up from the dead, she arose. I'm telling you, your situation that looks dead is not meant to stay dead. God is going to speak life to it. God is going to turn it around. What do I need to do, preacher Derek? Just keep believing God. If you believe Him with your past and you believe Him for your promised future, believe Him for your present. Just keep believing God. Don't let your heart be troubled. Hey, man, thank God for it. Now, another point. The Bible says in verse 2, in my father's mansions, in my father's house, are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. Watch this. I go to prepare a place for you. Well, some of us like to think that that means he's going and he's going to get a hammer and nails and some concrete and he's going to take some windows and he's going to start nailing and putting together our mansion. That sounds good if you're young in the faith, but what he means is I'm going to the cross. That cross was your cross. You're the sinner that deserved to die there. But I'm going to that cross and I'm going to prepare a place for you not to be beside me on a cross, but through my death and through my death, I'm going to defeat hell. I'm going to defeat the grave and I will prepare a place called heaven for you through the cross. Number two, you need to keep clinging to the cross of Jesus Christ. Let me say this today. It's because of the cross that I'm in the family of God. It's the power of the cross that has sustained my daily walk with Him. There is nothing more powerful than the cross. Many people look at the cross and they say it's a sign of weakness. Jesus died there. But I'm telling you it's a sign of strength because He laid down His life there and on the first day, he raised it back again. Paul wrote it like this. For the preaching of the cross is foolishness to them that perish. But unto us that is saved, it is the power of God. The cross is the power of God. You may be Baptist. You may be Methodist. You may be Presbyterian. I don't care what you are. Honey, it's the cross that's going to get the job done. You may like southern gospel hymns. You may like traditional hymns. You may like more modern hymns. I don't care what you like. It's the cross that gets the job done. You may say, I think you ought to get dressed up for church. And some may say, I think you can come as you are. Honey, I don't really care. I'm telling you, it's the cross that makes the difference. It's not the Baptist or the Methodist. It's not the hymns. Honey, I'm telling you, it's the cross. It's Jesus died on that makes a difference in our life. When Jesus died, his mother, Mary, and his disciple, John, were near that cross. I want to say three things here. He looked down as he was on that cross and he said, Woman, behold thy son. And he said to John, Behold thy mother. I want to say three things about clinging to the cross. 
Number one, you need to stand where he can see you. Oh, preacher Darren, he can see everywhere. You're right, he can. But Mary was in a place that she could see that he saw her. Are you near enough to the cross to see that he sees you? Number two, she stood near enough to the cross that she heard him speak to her. Woman, behold thy son. John, behold thy mother. Are you near enough to the cross that you can hear him speak to you? Thirdly, stand close enough where he can send you. The Bible says from that hour, John took Mary home with him to be his new adopted mother. Are you close enough to the cross where you can see that he sees you? Are you close enough to the cross that he can speak to you and you hear it? Are you close enough to the cross that he can send you forward? I've got a good friend of mine. He's a great pastor. His son was a great pastor. Died of a massive heart attack. The daddy was so crushed. But he believes that God took his son home. And the mother said, well, yeah, God took him but I don't like what God did right there. And when they sing God is good, she said he is good to everybody but me. Have you ever felt like that? Have you ever felt like God is good, but he's good to everybody else but me? And for three years, she felt that way. She dropped out of the choir. She quit singing throughout the congregation. She was in and out of church, the pastor's wife. And she, he said, one day I came home and she was in the back room in the house cleaning, and she was singing praises unto God. He said, I fell on my face to thank God for it. And he said, after I got done, he said, I got up, walked down the hall, walked to where she was, and said, honey, what in the world? You're praising God. It's doing my heart good. What happened? She said, today, I got to the place that I needed God more than I needed my son. May I say this today about standing near the cross? This is important. You need to get close enough to the cross to cling to the cross that you see that his suffering is greater than yours. Your problem is you think for some reason that your problem that's broken your heart, your problem that's driven you to tears is worse than what he went through. You need to get close enough to the cross to cling to it to see that what he went through is worse than what you're going through and that he got victory over the cross, he got victory over death and if he can get victory, he'll get you victory as well. What can I do with my troubled heart? Keep believing. What can I do with my troubled heart? Keep clinging to the cross. Get close to the cross of Christ. We used to sing a song, Near the cross, near the cross. You know what? It's a precious fountain. There's something that the cross gives us that's a blessing to us, amen? Thirdly, what can I do? He says in verse three, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, there ye may be also. What does that mean? Well, I don't care how dark your day is. I don't care how difficult your circumstances are. But thirdly, 
you need to keep watching. You need to keep looking for Jesus. Somebody said, Preacher Darren, there's more signs of his coming. That always arouses my interest. I said to him, I said, what is it? They said, there's a spotless heifer in Israel. I think there's five of them. It's the first time in all these years that they've had that many at one time. What does that mean? Oh, it's a sign of his coming. Because for the church to be raptured out of here and God to switch it back to Israel, they're going to have to have a red heifer so that the priest can be consecrated and separated and go back to worship. They have the plans. Gershon Solomon has the plans for the temple, Solomon's temple, to rebuild it. All this is done. Signs of his coming. Signs of his coming. Honey, I'm going to tell you something. Last night, when I was down praying, seeking God's face, the Lord said, it's not about seeing signs of my coming. It's time for you to listen for the shout. You'll get that in a minute. We're past the signs. It's time for the shout. You need to look for the sky to split. And the Son of God's going to step out and say, Arise, my love. And every one of us that's redeemed are going to lose our gravitational pull. First of all, those are in the graveyard who are buried with faith in Christ, their souls in heaven. When he comes, their soul is going to be reunited with a brand new body that's going to come up out of that grave and they're going to be with the Lord. He's going to take them home, those that's died in Christ. My brother, your Uncle Michael, I'm going to see him again. He's going to have a new body. I was looking at his picture real close last night, Brother Bobby, and I thought, boy, I wonder how you look right now. I got to think about Miss Janice. I wonder what she's looking like right now. Amen. I get to think about some of those go on, going on from our company and our congregation. Honey, they're doing the best they've ever done and one day we'll be reunited with them. Amen. Then, for we which are alive and remain, we be caught up together with them. We're going to be raptured home with them. Oh, preacher Darren, I don't believe in the rapture. Well, I have news for you. You're going anyway. If you've been saved, you're going anyway. Well, preacher Darren, I just don't believe in that false doctrine because the word rapture is not in the Bible. May I say this? The word cornbread is not in the Bible either. And if you get in my way after a while, I'll knock you over getting to some. Let me tell you what else I found. Y'all listening to me? Brother Jerry, you asked me this morning. The word grandfather is not in the Bible. Grandpa's not in the Bible. But I am one. Amen. Don't you sit here and tell me well, rapture's not in the Bible, so there's not going to be one. The word is caught up. It's harpazo. It means to be caught up. I'm telling you, like it or not, if you're saved, you're going to be caught up. What are you going to do when he comes and says, no, 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 I sit this out, I don't believe in it. No, honey, if you've called on him, you'll be going. You stand to your feet this morning. Last night as I left my granddaughter's house, I thought about my daughter and my son. When they were little and they'd get to crying, maybe they needed a diaper change. Maybe, maybe, they, maybe they were hungry. Uh, but I was trying to figure out what to do with them and they had a troubled heart. 
And man, I just paced the floor with them. Some of you mamas and daddies, you ever done that? Because they don't do good when they sit still. But if you can get them moving and you're rubbing their back and I start singing, oh, they tell me of a home far beyond the skies. Oh, they tell me of a home far away. I wrote these words down. You know what they tell me? Oh, they tell me that he smiles on his children there and his smile drives their sorrows all away and they tell me that no tears ever come again in that lovely land of unclouded day. Oh, the land of cloudless day. Oh, the land of an unclouded sky. Oh, they tell me of a home where no storm clouds rise. Oh, they tell me of an unclouded day. There's coming a day that you'll never have another heartache. You'll never have another problem. There'll be not, there'll never be another dispute. Everything will be perfect. There'll never be a troubled heart in glory. And while we're here today, Jesus was troubled, so we don't have to be, and yet we are. And today God said, if you'll keep believing me, and if you'll keep clinging to the cross, and if you'll keep a-watching, and you'll keep a-looking, and you'll keep a-listening, honey, there'll be no more trouble ever again. No sorrow. No separation. No sickness. No sin. <laughs> no devil, no Satan will ever bother you anymore. And God has it already worked out today. Your problem, I don't care how big, how bad, how terrible, it'll be swallowed up. Death, for many of us, is a problem. Our family's going through it right now. But my Bible says, oh death, where is thy sting? Oh grave, where is thy victory? It's swallowed up by the person of Jesus Christ. Seth, you come. Maybe there's somebody, they say, Preacher Darren, I have a troubled heart. I want to go to the altar. Preacher Darren, I have a need. Preacher Darren, I have a prayer request. Preacher Darren, I have a burden. Will you bring it to him today? Will you bring it to him today? Come on right now. I'm telling you, God spoke to hearts this morning. Would you come right now? Preacher Darren, I have a troubled heart. Would you come? Preacher Darren, I need to be saved. Why don't you get saved today? Charlie Phillips got saved last week. Hey, a bunch of others got saved last week. God's still in the saving business. Why don't you just go ahead and get saved? Preacher, I need help. He wants to do it right now. Is anybody say, Preacher Darren, I need to be saved. I want to go to heaven. I want to ask Jesus to forgive my sins and to save my soul. Anybody? If you're watching online, you just bow your head and say, Jesus, please forgive me my sins. Save my soul. I believe you died. I believe you rose again. Will you forgive me and save me? 
He'd do it just like that. Father, this morning, as we bow in your presence, I give you thanks, praise, and honor. What a God that you are. Lord, this morning, you're speaking to hearts. Lord, hearts that have trouble, hearts that have aches, hearts that have problems. And God, please touch us today. Give us peace. God, your son was troubled so that we wouldn't have to be. Lord, would you touch us this morning? God, would you be pleased to fix this situation? God, would you give us victory? Would you cause this thing just to go away? And would you repair it better than it's ever been before? God, I believe you can. God, I believe that you will. Father, I look to you today. Lord, we're clinging to the cross. We're believing you. And we're hoping, watching, looking, listening for the shout. For this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.